Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Woolahan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, only one episode, or never aired at all. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Are we still talking about my vag? So, satire needs to be timely. (laughs) And about six years after Not Another Teen Movie, Comedy Central attempted to make a pilot called Not Another High School Show. Right. And this is that pilot. This is that pilot. Oh, boy. Uh, This pilot's notable for a lot of reasons. Yes. Uh, Let's get into it. Uh, You want to give them away right away, or do you want to give them away as 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 we go? Yeah, I was getting into the the summary portion. Okay. We open on a bad neighborhood. We know this because there's graffiti on the wall that says, Bad Bad neighborhood. Neighborhood. I... Which... Love that. To me, I I actually did think that was very funny. Yes. I mean, you've seen Not Another Teen Movie, Of course I have. I I love Not Another Teen Movie, and this is something that they were very good at, is is just having, like, something in the background that you may not even catch on the first Mm go-round that is just, like, a tiny little joke. And having that graffiti bad neighborhood is, like, the perfect... Example of that. Yeah, it also reminds me of the Fantastic Mr. Fox movie. Yeah? Um, They wrote a script like they were going to swear, and then changed all the curse words to the word cuss. Oh, right. And so in the background, you see someone wrote cuss in graffiti. Oh, I didn't see that. In one shot, and it makes me laugh every time I see it. I love that movie. Cuss. But, like, I remember in Not Another Teen movie, like, they're walking down the hallway, and... They walk past a schedule, mm-hmm. and the schedule says Monday first game of school, first day of school, uh, Tuesday the big game, Wednesday prom, Thursday graduation. That sounds right. It's like stuff like that. I'm always a big fan of that kind of like airplane top secret set comedy. Yeah, and like in a high school, that is so much the case. Those are that's all we ever see. Right. Big so, game, prom. Sometimes, depending on the genre, you might get, like, another extracurricular. Yeah. Like, you might get the mathletes, mm-hmm. Big Meat and Mean Girls, which will always be the night of the big dance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or the school play will be the night of the big game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why, why would they schedule these the same day? I don't know. You can only have one hobby. Ah, it still makes me angry. So... We're in a bad neighborhood, and we open with the blonde douchebag from Not Another Teen Movie, whose name I forget, but I love him. He is one of my favorite comedic actors. He's also the uh, the lead on NCIS yes. LA. But I know him from Not Another Teen Movie. He plays the exact same character in Rob Snyder's The Hot Chick. Yeah. He's also Lloyd in uh, the Dumb and Dumber prequel. Yeah, he's his name is Eric Christian Olsen. Yes. 
Yeah, he's like one of the leads in NCIS LA. Yes, he's also Vaughn from Community. Yeah, which was the big one where I was like, oh my god! Hey, hi, hello, how are you? He he cracks me up. He is one of my favorite actors. And Vaughn is such a good character. And uh, that's not the last Community alum we're going to see today. No, it is not. But he is stealing a car because he doesn't give a care. Because we're bad boys. He's with his slightly reluctant younger brother. Yes. Because he's a bad boy. I don't give a crap. Yeah. You did, you did notice that every line he said he had tattooed on his arms, right? I didn't. No. Yeah. Every time he was like, I don't give a crap. He would show his arm and it just said that. <laughs> Mason, are you sure you're cutting yeah. the right wires? I'm sure that I don't give a crap. Now, that's one of those visual cues I miss when I'm taking notes. Um, he hot wires the car and it's very funny. Yes. It's like, are you cutting the right wires? I don't care. It's time to blow. And then the car explodes with me. Oh, the crowbar business when they're stealing the car. Oh, yeah. He's just hitting the car with a crowbar. He's hitting the doors. Like, wouldn't it be easier if he hit the window? Yeah, so he breaks the window with the crowbar, and he's like, that was easier. And then the car's unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> so the car explodes with Mason in it after he hotwires it. Yes. And the next thing we see is uh, Brian at Jump Street Station. Yes. Which is another good, like, oh, Jump Street. You know, I didn't catch that one. Oh. I didn't catch that it was Jump Street Station. That is great. <laughs> so, and he's talking to the public defender. I'm not really sure what they're getting Brian on. At this point, because he just happened to be at a crime scene? I mean, I, they're, they're bad boys, so I'm sure I mean, he's... they don't give a crap. I'm sure that I don't give a crap. He's done horrible things in the past. And so they kind of have this fake out of like, oh, your brother's fine. So, I, I got good news and I got bad news. Now, the good news is, your brother's gonna make it. Really? That's right. The doctor says the bullets missed all of his major arteries. But my brother wasn't shot. Is your brother Muhammad al-Aziz? No. The joke is that he's Islamic and obviously... Ryan's white. Yeah, and Ryan's white, so obviously not his brother. Which is a groan. Yeah, and then he goes like, oh no, your brother's dead. And he's like, oh okay. And then the public defender offers to take him in. And Brian's like, wait a minute, what about my mom? Yeah, what about my mom? Oh, I got more bad news. Totally forgot about the bad news. I'm afraid she drowned in a pool of someone else's vomit talk about one of those days so which is a joke i believe from this is spinal tap the the official explanation was he choked on vomit it's actually uh, it was actually someone else's vomit it's not (laughs) you know there's no real well they can't prove whose vomit it was they never they don't have facilities so the public defender dustin takes in this young boy. And we see the establishing shot of the town. It's your standard California mm-hmm. teen drama beach town. La Playa Beach Creek. Yes. Now, for our Spanish-speaking audience members, La Playa means beach. So this is Beach Beach Creek. Yes. Or excuse me, this is the Beach Beach Creek. And White beaches, whiter people. That's literally the slogan. They are playing not quite 
California, here we come. Yeah, they're playing the Don't Sue Us version. The Yeah, of the theme song of the OC. Yes. And it just gets me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is what they're doing. Okay, great. Uh, then we're going to make a hard left turn into what the fuck happened to the show. Yeah, like... This first five minutes is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Then we have a terrible scene. And then we swing back into a funny scene. Mm -hmm. And then the show starts to get weird. Uh, We have Dusty's wife freaks out. Because the last, like, troubled teen they took in raped her. Honey, I'd like you to meet our new son. You are not going to hurt me, you sick son of a bitch. Um, maybe I should go. Don't be ridiculous, Brian. My wife is still upset about the last juvenile delinquent I brought home. He tried to rape me, Dusty. Now, Caitlin, you never did prove that. You defended him in court. Look, honey, I'm just trying to be a good lawyer here. Help a kid out. Make a difference in the world. And if that means that someone in this house might get a little raped, well, goddammit, that's a chance I'm willing to take. Whoa. Because, like, they, they started on this kind of premise of this lawyer is such a bad lawyer that he's constantly bringing in children. Yes. Which is kind of like a funny gimmick to just start things off. And then this like unneeded, unfunny rape joke happens. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, wait, oh. Because like. Because the joke absolutely could have been that just like she kind of looks up and goes like, you're just going to get bored with this one. And you just see like the rooms and just a bunch of other like troubled white boys. Yeah. Like. That type of joke is done entirely for shock. Yeah. It's not like, I I, I hate the fact that this sentence is going to come out of my mouth, but it's not like a common trope of high school shows was mom rape. Correct. So, like, you can still do shock humor, but you're now losing your pre- the premise of what the show is. Yeah, and like... Sexual assault as drama is a huge teen show trope, but this isn't like, it doesn't try to play that trope. Yeah, this is not commentary on that trope. And we also never see the mother again. Yeah, this- After the scene. This the scene is unnecessary. Yeah, this is just a rape joke just to have it. And then we get to uh, his son's bedroom. Dustin has a, a son. Yes. Which you didn't catch the joke with his name. No, this is brilliant because there's so many levels. Uh, his name is Lawson. <laughs> yes, because he's our Dawson's Creek character. He's he, a big film fan. He's basically Dawson. Except he's also a lawyer's son. Lawson. So he's Lawson. Uh, it, it's so simple. <laughs> so he's on the he is sitting on the bed with his friend Charlie, which is another big 90s 2000s teen show trope of the girl next door with a boy's name yeah they were best friends they're best friends and she's very erudite yeah like she has this monologue that i think you're gonna probably put in here yeah uh that's just her using unnecessarily large words Mm -hmm. to say she's into lawson well I'm contemplating the intricacies of our friendship and how the emergence of our adolescent hormones has radically altered the very nature of our relationship in such a lascivious manner that I yearn to make passionate intercourse to your genitalia. Cycle fight. What? No! Are you... When, when I... 
went to I, if yeah if I haven't brought this up on the show, I went to a performing arts high school, and there was a whole day where we performed scenes from Dawson's Creek, and I remember just being like. I can't read this. <laughs> like, I don't know what these words mean. I would never say this. And they're like, just act natural. And I was like, I would never say these words. I can't come down too hard on this trope of girl. <laughs> for personal reasons. I I understand. But, like, I I know that that's how Dawson's Creek, like, spoke. Like, I vaguely remember... And that's remember... how I learned to speak to boys. Which explains... But, like, there's no subtlety in Dawson's Creek. It's always And there's no subtlety like, in this either. Like, the line I remember is something like, this other girl walks in, and she says something like, the confusing aspect of our scaling triangle has re-entered. Yeah. It's like, w- what? Why is it a scaling triangle? Because it's unbalanced. I hate you. I <laughs> know you don't. <laughs> I literally did talk like this as a kid, so um, so I, I can't come down too hard on Joey Potter or Charlie, because, like, Charlie hits home because I was very much like that character. Uh, Lawson is very obviously very homosexual. He's very homosexual. And very obsessed with Hugh Jackman. And he's into Hugh Jackman, but his room, we gotta talk about this very confusing aspect. Mm-hmm. I assume... His room is covered head to toe in Hugh Jackman posters. Yeah. The Prestige, X-Men. Those are the two I was able to make out. You were able to make some out? Yeah. Because the only one I could make out was Kate Leopold, and the rest of them were censored. Yeah, they were all blurred. Um, I'm a huge movie poster nerd, so just based on, like, the colors and vague shapes, I knew what some of them were supposed to be. If you give me, like, Hugh Jackman and... If If I give you the Hugh... Of the poster? Yeah, yes. My Wait. my computer protested that joke. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Stop it, computer! <laughs> the computer I own you! <laughs> the computer's on my side now. I will make bad puns if I want. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what you say, computer. This is my show. I'm gonna use okay. you to edit. Okay, this I need show. you to not do this because the computer's gonna die on us. <laughs> it's gonna rebel. Um, no, but I'm a big movie poster nerd, and I have been for quite some time. And so if I could figure out, like, if you can give me that much, I could figure out, like, one of them was definitely supposed to be Last Stand. Um, one of them was definitely supposed to be... Well, here's, here's my theory here. Kate and Leopold is the only movie he mentioned by name. Yeah. So it's the only one that's, like, part of the plot, Wolverine is definitely part of the plot later. Not in that shot, though. Right. Not in that, like, scene. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking because it's a plot point, they were allowed to use it, but using other posters as decoration was not ar- allowed? I'm not sure. It might have just because, been because they didn't want it to, like, draw a lot of focus. I don't know. Like... I was way more distracted by the blur. Yeah, it's... It's weird. I don't really know... How we got this particular rip on YouTube. Like where it came from. <laughs> I doubt that the person who uploaded it was like, let me blur all these posters. No, 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 but I don't mean like wherever they got it. Right. Like, I don't know. So then, uh, 
Charlie goes like, oh, uh, Lawson kicks Charlie out of his room and she goes like, okay, back to the creek. Yes. Because Lawson's immediately attracted to Brian. Well, I just want to point out, she leaves out the window like she's Sam from Clarissa. Yeah. Or a person from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, because that was like a thing in those shows. And it's wild because I can't imagine ever climbing a ladder to go to a friend's house. No, it's ridiculous. So, especially because in a lot of these, usually like the Joey Potter character just kind of has carte blanche Mm -hmm. of the house. Yeah. Like usually the parents are like, no, 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 it's okay. Because, like, I had friends where I had that kind of relationship where I could have just, like, gone up a window. But, like, Shelly's parents would have just let me in the door. Well, I think it's because it's a bully. Matt's parents would have just let me in the door. All right, I tried, folks. Um, But I was, like, also the kid who's everyone's parents liked them because I was goody two-shoes and I talked like a weirdo. Um, So Brian, like, steps outside and sees... The girl next, the girl next door on the other side. Yes. Um, Melissa, who has a big M necklace. Yes, so you know it's Melissa, and she is having an altercation with her stepmother. Yes, who is one year older than her. Yeah, which is a great again like joke on this type of show. Yeah, like and still in high school, and still in school with her, <laughs> and which is straight from Bill and Ted. Yeah, and they. Uh, Melissa and Brian have an intimate, soul-bearing conversation. Hey. 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 And then, uh... This this would go on to be stolen by Into the Spider-Verse. But better. (laughs) Um, And then, a bro in a... What you would call douchebag yellow? A douchebag yellow Hummer. Which is such a mid-2000s thing. That shade of yellow Hummer is such a mid-2000s trope. Uh, one of my absolute favorite villains, and I can't believe I never finished this show, was from um, Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. Where it was the douchebag from the compa- like the camp next door. Oh, yeah. Knocks over a street from Dead Poets Society. Yeah, and he wore three polo shirts with three pop- <laughs> popped collars. Yeah, the uh, the wardrobe supervisor on that show actually said she took apart several polo shirts <laughs> and sewed the collars in together because they stopped being able to layer the shirts without making him look weird. <laughs> it just It's so funny to just see all those popped collars. This guy is that joke turned up to a thousand. Yeah. Because he shows up in a douchebag yellow Hummer with like a canoe on top of it. With every kind of conceivable sporting equipment. Yeah. Towing a red Hummer that has a sailboat. (laughs) Yes. And like there's a ton of other sports equipment. Amazing. So... He calls Melissa fat, and obviously, because it's this kind of show, Melissa is like a size double zero. Yeah. He calls her a fat whore and uh, make, tells her to get in the car. <laughs> and, like, he's just that obvious teen movie romantic false lead douchebag. Yep. Uh, he is why nice guys exist. <laughs> because he is the trope of, this is what the girl you like's boyfriend is like. Yeah, yeah. Um... So then we 
smash cut to the next day. <laughs> yep. And we're in the library. <laughs> oh, this is important before yes. we even say that. I remember... After seeing the joke with the Hummers, I was just like, that's amazing. And I was cracking up. And I remember I had the thought, oh my God, I wish this show had gotten a couple seasons. Because season two, there would be vampires. Oh, yeah. Nope. Two seconds later. <laughs> so the librarian, who's obviously like a thinly veiled Giles, yes. is warning a young woman about... Uh, Tinus Wolficus. Tinus Wolficus. And, you know, just warning, warning her and describing her. Just forget about it. I have found something that should be of grave concern to you. I know. It's really gotten out of hand down there. My fair, it belongs to something big, something hairy. That's hey, something I that's... get it. I need to trim. You're not listening, Mavi. I'm afraid you're going to have to destroy the most terrifying creature ever to roam the halls of this school. A teenage wolf. Wait, are we still talking about my vag? And she is Muffy. Yes. Because of course she is. And she is played by a pre-community Alison Brie. Yes! Um, and her Buffy Summers impression is incredible. <laughs> yeah, she is spot on. The physicality is very good. She's doing good parody in that she is playing everything absolutely straight. And, like, it's very interesting the fact that they nail Dawson speak and they nail Buffy speak in the same episode. Yeah, like, they clearly know these shows really well. Like, they get both languages down. It's impressive. And then, um,. She's still in the library, but we see Teen Wolf. Yeah, and it's just Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah, he's just Teen Wolf. And he's in wolf form and everyone loves him. He's yes. a big man on campus. It's the logical conclusion to Teen Wolf. Yeah, to what happened after the movie. Yeah, just he's like, just... he's Teen Wolf and everyone's cool with it. Yeah, everybody loves Teen Wolf. And so Melissa's best friend, Melissa is at her locker talking to her best friend, Spring. Yes. Who is clear, I mean... This is the OC. Right. Because they would be Marissa and Summer. Okay, I didn't watch the OC, so I didn't really catch that. I didn't either, but I was 16 years old in 2003, which means I just kind of caught it by cultural osmosis. Uh, <laughs> it should also be mentioned that they walk by a flyer that says, uh, Demon Hunter needed, please come to the library. Uh, they also walk past a sign that says... Uh, Sean is having a pool party tonight. Bring your nipples. <laughs> Did not see that. Um, so, uh, Melissa is talking to Spring, and her stepmom, like, gets in her face and says, like, you need to be home right after school. And they also do that, like, weirdly intimate, sexually charged female mm -hmm. confrontation that was really common in this kind of show. Where, like, girls got right up in each other's faces. Yeah. And it was shot not dissimilarly to how sexual tension would have been shot. Mm-hmm. So, she goes away and Spring tries to offer Melissa a vibrator. And then we also see Gabby. Yes. Gabby is uh, 
the stick in the mud friend. Mm-hmm. She's Barb from Stranger Things. Yes. Pre-Stranger Things. She's also, like, clearly 35. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's older than I am playing high school. Yeah. She's like Willow in the first couple episodes before yeah. they figured out who Willow was. Yeah, that wet blanket. I don't think that's a good idea, Tommy. The wet blanket, the one who kind of is the one who's spouting the PSA facts. Mm-hmm. Like that friend. I'm trying to think of like a good example in one of these teen shows. But usually she's not a main part of the cast. Like we see Gabby more than we usually see this friend. Yeah, that's true. And she's always like kind of... Barb is the best example. Yeah. Barb is a good example. Um, She kind of even looks like Barb. Yeah, I mean, she's frumpy. She has glasses. Her hair is cut in an unflattering way. Yeah. Because... And like she's... Tie from Clueless is what she's clearly like supposed to be sort of looking. Yeah, yeah. She's supposed to look like Tie from Clueless. Mm -hmm. Uh, Except that she's clearly not secretly Brittany Murphy under that. Right, yeah. Uh, so Lawson and Brian are walking around the hallways and Brian's like, shouldn't we go to class? We don't go to class. We just walk around. Yeah, so everyone just walks around the hallways and that's how (laughs) they learn. Usually you have to go into a classroom because sometimes you have to have a scene alone in the hall. Like, Yeah. Because we only ever see students in the hallways, even to the point where like, in Riverdale, there's been jokes about, like, people going to class. Yeah. And, like, how Riverdale has, like, a student lounge. Oh, does it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I I went to high school and we didn't have a student lounge. No. <laughs> and even if we did have a student lounge, there wasn't going to be your couch that you could always go to. <laughs> yeah. That, that place would be packed. So, and then we get this really great background sequence during this. Mm-hmm. Where Muffy... Is hunting Tina Wolficus. Yes. And thinks she finds him. Mm-hmm. And murders a janitor in cold blood. Yes. And that janitor is John H. Benjamin. It's H. John Benjamin. I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> that janitor is H. John Benjamin. And the young woman who finds him and screams is Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. <laughs> Die, Wolfus teenagers! No, you're a lot shorter than I am. What's your name, sweet tits? Help! Somebody said the janitor in the heart! Seriously, what's your name? Amy. Yes. So you have Archer getting murdered by Princess Unikitty and then being found by Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, it's like, ah, things are... You want to go back when they film that scene and be like, things are going to look up for all of you. Yeah, you guys are going to be fine. Uh, And then another trope is that there is a nerdy character who is the school DJ. Lawson is Solid Goldstein. Solid Goldstein. Solid. (laughs) And humiliates Brian by announcing that he, like, was in juvie and he has a dark past. He's from a bad neighborhood. He's a bad boy, everybody. And Brian's upset by this. Yes. Because he was trying to kind of fly under the radar. And Melissa loves that. Mm-hmm. Melissa's into Brian's dark past. Yes. Um, and Brian is also a volleyball prodigy. Yeah, the, the, this is a good scene because, like, the the jockey, like, 
I'm showing off how strong I am at this sport cliche is basically a dick measuring contest. Mm -hmm. And they make this very much about their dicks as they're talking. What do you think you're doing, little man, Tate? Sorry. Nobody touches Sean Saunders' balls but me and my boys. And then, of course, it turns out he's amazing at volleyball. Of course. Spring, Melissa, and Gabby go to the diner because there's, uh, Melissa's supposed to meet Sean there. And the, like, Pop Tate character. Like, this is a, another classic trope of, like, the guy who runs the hangout. Yeah, this is like your, your, your Arnold. Yeah, from you know, Happy, Happy Days. Days. This is kind of like your Mr. Feeny. Your... Mr. F- I'm, that's... Not quite. Ernie from the Juice Bar from Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, modern example, Pop Tate from Riverdale. But like, I also got like a bit of a feel like this is the guy you go for for advice. Yeah, Doc from West Side Story. Yeah, like this is your, the cool adult friend. Yeah. Your, your Van Helsing. Stop that. <laughs> Get out. Um, but yeah, he's like... The guy who runs the hangout, who is the older, wiser friend. And he's like, oh, yeah. Sean was finger-banging a girl in the jukebox. (laughs) And then he calls Melissa fat. Yes. Uh, And Spring offers her another sex toy. Yeah, it's just cock Dracula or something. Yeah, it's very, like, it's a very silly joke. Yeah. The, The dildo jokes are so unnecessary and, like... Don't land. I actually found them pretty funny. Really? Yeah, because it's the the friend who is, like, really sexually forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, like, circa the sweetest thing. Yeah. And when, like, raunchy female comedies were starting to, like, find, like, their mm-hmm. area. So having her friend be the, like, ra- having her two friends be the raunchy female friend and the straight-laced female friend kind of covers that, like dichotomy of who your friends were yeah i guess i mean like this joke landed a lot better than a lot of the other jokes for me uh, like for the, for me like that raunchy character like gail from letter kenny is much better than this character i think gail is i actually think gail is way too much oh really uh most of the time i at least think gail's a person <laughs> like the, the fact that she's just like Ah, here's a dildo out of nowhere. I was like, oh. To be fair, this right. is a half hour. To be fair. To be fair. Uh, this is a half hour episode and no one's a person. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I actually thought these jokes landed well, but this is also, you know, it depends on your attitude toward, like, what female sexuality was presented as in these mm-hmm. 2000s teen movies. I'm looking at it as this was a much more positive representation than anything else we see toward the women in this show. Yeah, that's true. The women are not treated well in the show. Oh, no. So I think this is, I was like, this works for me because it was the least terrible thing. Um, so we get to, uh, Lawson and Melissa are like talking to each other and Melissa invites Brian to Sean's party. Yeah, to the big pool party. Bring your nipples. And Lawson is excited because he's like, we got invited to the biggest social gathering of the year this week. <laughs> Great wording. And Lawson, she doesn't remember Lawson. And he's like, yeah, remember? Uh, I've lived next door to you for the last 16 years. Our parents have all had affairs with each other. (laughs) Which is a good OC joke. Yeah. 
Um, so then we get to the party, and Muffy is trying to stalk Tina Wolficus. Yes. Who is doing a keg stand while the rest of the class chants, Woof, 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 woof. Muffy doesn't see it. Correct. Sean is on a lawn chair making out with Melissa's stepmother. Yes. And calls Melissa a fat whore and says she caused him to do this. Yeah. Which is why, like, I was like, really? You're going to get hung up on the vibrator jokes? Because the way the Meg Griffin treatment of Melissa. Yeah. Like, uh, when when they called her fat the first time, I was like, oh, okay, it's because she's not fat. When they we did it the whole episode, I was like, okay, this is already old. If it was only Sean calling her fat, I could even kind of understand it. Mm-hmm. But when they have the, like, Pop Tate character call her fat, yeah, I'm like, okay, so we're all just going to call this girl fat? Yeah, I, I did lose, like, my taste for that there. Uh, and, like, how do I want to word this? Like, they made their point. Right. Like... The trope of having a beautiful girl called ugly, it, like, they knock that out of the park in the movie. Yeah. And, like, I, like, maybe they were going to have something down the line that was more of this, but, like, it's, you did the joke. Like, doing the joke again doesn't add anything And if a joke gets old in 23 minutes. Yeah. You messed up. You have a problem. We also meet Kenny Bonerman. Kenny Bonerman. Who is four times stay tuned. Four times stay tuned. Alumnus uh, Andy Dick. Andy Dick. It is now my life goal to get Andy Dick on this show. So Andy, if you're listening, if you Google yourself, because we've definitely covered a lot of your podcast, a lot of your projects, Mm -hmm. um, slide into those DMs. Yeah. I mean, we're eventually going to do the Andy Dick show. We are. So, like, we'll have Andy on. If nothing else, I'll give him $100 and we'll get a 30-second cameo video from him. You know what? That's not the worst idea. We're going to do a GoFundMe (laughs) to make Andy Dick notice us. Uh, But he's the Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. Yes. He's the way too old high schooler. Mm -hmm. And that's the joke. Yes. And he's in, like... 30 seconds of the show. Yes. And it's pretty funny. He's just spilling a drink because he's gesturing too much. And he, like, kind of talks to Brian about, you know, oh, go after Melissa. Mm -hmm. That kind of, like, the sage older student advice. And Brian tries to start a fight with Sean to defend Melissa from how crappy Sean has been. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Gabby tries to get in the Barb character and she tries to stop the fight. And everyone in unison goes, shut up, Gabby. And then she leaves crying. Yes. And I like the fight sequence a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Brian and Sean get up in each other's faces. And then Brian melodramatically puts his hood up. He's a bad boy. Yeah. And there's a long and awkward, like not awkward. There's a long, tense pause and then Sean lays him out in one punch. Yeah, and then that's it. <laughs> and then Lawson... Oh, Lawson's dressed as Wolverine. Yeah, that's... I'm glad you brought this up. I didn't get it at first that he was dressed as Wolverine. I oh. was like, huh, why is he like that? And then it clicked later that, like, oh, he tried to dress as the coolest person he knew. 
Yeah. So he dressed as Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. So he has really bad sideburns. And he put rakes up his sleeves. Yeah, it's very silly. So that he would have claws. And, like, it's one of those things where it's really obvious, Mm -hmm. but they don't spotlight it. Yeah. Like, if you're looking directly at him, you get it. But if you're invested in, like, the show at all, you might not have that moment where you're like, oh, he's, he's Wolverine. So I didn't get it until later. And once I got it, I was like, that was brilliant. But it's important to bring up at this point because Muffy sees him. <laughs> and thinks that he's a wolf man. Thinks he's Tina's Wolficus. Goes to shoot him with her crossbow. And Charlie, his best friend, takes the arrow for him. Yes. And... The ambulance comes and Charlie is crying and suffering in Lawson's arms. Yes. And like they have this tender friendship moment where Lawson promises he won't leave her and that like she's his best friend. And then Brian walks slightly out of frame and Lawson goes, Brian, and drops her. Drops her. And then she falls off the stretcher. It should be mentioned that every shot Charlie is in. She is carrying a ladder. In her backpack. Which is brilliant. Yeah, which is, like, and it's just jutting out of her backpack. It's not like she has it tucked under her arm. Yeah, she just has an awkward ladder with her because she could have to go to Lawson's room at any time. Which, like, always answers that question of, like, where'd they get the ladder? Yeah, it's just on her. So, uh, Brian sees his brother. And his brother, Mason... The I don't give a crap guy from the beginning. He's alive. Is dressed in a beautiful sweater vest, pastel argyle, and he'd faked his own death to escape a Nicaraguan drug cartel. And then is immediately shot. Well, no, no, no. He promises Brian a better life. He's like, we don't have to be bad boys. We can start a new life. We can be good boys, Brian. And then he gets shot. Uh, Yeah, and this is very much the uh, dear sister... Um, what you say? Yes. Because it was Melissa who shoots him. And Melissa throws the gun and then you hear like a cat die off screen. Which is a deeply old joke. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, real real quick. I, I wrote and directed a show in college. And they legitimately made me add that joke. Because there's this... The throwing a gun? Not, not throwing a gun. Throwing something. Throwing something because like... I had this bit where, like, he's he's trying to, uh, the, the show starts and he's trying to get laid. Mm-hmm. And all these uh, things start distracting him. Like, the phone rings and, like, the radio says, like, bad weather is coming and stuff like that. And uh, we're like, just get rid of the phone. And get rid of the phone eventually turned into, he throws the phone out of the apartment. And then the day of the show, they were like, listen, Noah, we had an idea. What if when he throws the phone out of the apartment, we have Dave go, oh, my eye. My, all right, guys. <laughs> if, that, if that'll really make you guys happy, sure. So day of the show, we added that. So Melissa claims that she owed Brian for helping her with Sean. Yes. <laughs> she killed him. For him. <laughs> yes. And then the show ends on a montage summarizing the 23-minute show we've already seen. Yes. And then 
the like next up on not another yes. high school show next time uh dustin pulls up with extremely disturbing information mm-hmm. for lawson and brian uh melissa is pregnant yes uh gabby every time she speaks tries gets interrupted uh dustin's taken in a new foster kid named hector right melissa has lost the baby <laughs> and uh jamie presley shows up as brian and mason's mother yes because she had faked her death to get away from the drug cartel. Yes. I think she faked her death to get away from a pimp. Oh, I thought it was the exact same thing. I could be wrong. I, I also could be wrong. Um, <laughs> we'll play the clip. Yeah. You're not going to want to miss the last five minutes for the most shocking ending ever. Mom? But that's impossible. Not if I had to fake my death to escape from an abusive Puerto Rican pimp. But don't worry. Mama's back for good this time. And Jamie Presley is obviously like a two thousands icon. Yes, I love Jamie Presley. So she, and it doesn't end a, on her getting shot. They heavily imply it. Of course they do, but it doesn't actually. Because like you hear, you're like you won't believe what happens, and then you hear like a car backfire, and she's like, "No, yeah," but, like implying that that's her. But that's also the very misleading editing in those teen shows. Right. Of like the next thing you see is like. That next episode, a car will have backfired, and he'll have dropped his lemonade, and she'll go, no, your drink. Yes. Because, like, Riverdale was a little infamous for that for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where in the last season, it ended on, like, a teaser that Jughead was dead, and everyone was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sure. Like, to the point where you every- You sell ep- more stupid hats, CW. Every episode has ended on, like, something about Jughead's murder- and people are still like, yeah, okay, CW. <laughs> I'm like, sure. you're really gonna kill Cole Sprouse. Sure, Jan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's the show. It aired in 2007. It did not air. Oh, uh, yeah, it was made in 2007. And uh, it went viral in 2014. About seven years later, it made the rounds because somebody found it and posted it on Jennifer Lawrence's birthday. Right. So it made the rounds and went viral, and that's kind of why it has any kind of life now. Right. And it it makes sense that it was for Comedy Central, because, like, halfway through it, I was like, who could air this? Like, for some reason, I thought this was for NBC. I don't know where I got that, but I was just like, NBC's not going to air this. No, if this was going to be on a network, it would have been on CW. But it's also making fun of CW. Yeah, I like, this seems like it needs to air on, like, HBO. <laughs> I would have thought it was, like, like if you had just showed me that pilot and been like, guess what network, I would have said MTV. Yeah, like, because you said 2007? Seven. So, like, this is a little bit after, like, Undressed mm-hmm. on MTV, which, like, kind of falls into the same type of category and stuff. Because there was that time, like... 2003, 2004, where there was that, like, chunk of TV that shouldn't be on TV. It was, like, it was, like, undressed on MTV, and then, like, FX had Son of the Beach. Okay. Which was, like, a parody of uh, Baywatch, where it was, like, they had one girl named BJ and stuff. Yeah. I think it was... Executive producer Howard Stern. E! showed the Howard Stern show. 
Right. Like, all the shows where the Girls Gone Wild commercials would air. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I could totally see this being, like, the Comedy Central show that airs in the secret stash. I was going to say it's the show that airs in, like, the time slot after South Park. Like, based on what I saw, I don't think this could run at 10.30. No, like, this isn't that bad. I really don't think this is that bad. Uh, I guess maybe. For the 2000s? They don't swear very much. But they do swear in it. Not a lot, though. Uh, maybe I'm I just... don't think they say, like, the F word. I, I, I kind of remember there being bleeps in it. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, yeah. they, they would have aired that. Right. Uh, It's got that very 2000s misogynist humor. Yes. And... and... It does. There's it's and sometimes it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. Like at the party, everyone is having sex. Yes. And like that teen show, everyone is having sex, but you feeling that gets created. Yeah. Like when I got to high school, there was like the implication that that's what it's supposed to be. I don't find that to be the misogynist part. Like. People being sexually active is not misogynist. Right, right, right. I'm saying, like, you know, Charlie gets shot as a punchline. Yeah. Like, Charlie is constantly physically abused. Melissa is constantly treated poorly and other characters calling her fat. Yes. Um, I, I don't think people being sexually active is misogynist. Yeah, misogynist might not be the right word, but, like, sexuality is a set piece. Yeah. But that's not inherently misog- misogynistic. Right, I used the wrong word. I'm just saying, like, that that was something that I thought was done well in this. Okay. And when we talk about the misogyny, like, when she gets called fat the first time, mm-hmm. like, having a character in a teen show be called ugly who isn't mm-hmm. is very much a trope of that time. Oh, absolutely. The eight times it happens after that suck. I think even having one or two... Having it just be the boyfriend and the stepmom who constantly call her ugly. Mm-hmm. And having it be that, like, oh, the antagonists call her ugly all the time. Yeah, but then it gets into what I think you, you perfectly phrased, that Meg Griffin syndrome, where it's like, we don't have a joke here, so let's just make fun of her. Yeah, and, like, unlike Meg Griffin, who is a cartoon character, it feels much grosser. To watch it be a person. Like, to watch it be, like, a human being and not, like, a cartoon. Because a cartoon, there's a bigger divide from reality. And I don't like the way Meg is treated on Family Guy. But at least you can be like, okay, it's a cartoon. Nobody is a real person. I mean, I think there's also an issue, though, like... With Meg Griffin, because everyone's drawn basically the same and stuff like that... You as a viewer can just be like, Meg Griffin is ugly in that universe. Yeah. With this, we can clearly see that this woman is very attractive. Right. And she should not be called fat. And I think, like, having that clear juxtaposition, like, makes it more of a joke than it does with, like, Meg. Like, Like, there's not times where, like, Meg does something smart and they're like, shut up, Meg, you're stupid. It's just, they yell at Meg. And they don't have that contrast. The contrast is at least clearer in this episode, where it's like, 
calling her fat is dumb. Because she is not. Yeah, I think the show fails to give us people to really root for. Yeah, there's not... Because, like, if Melissa hadn't immediately shot Mason, you could be like, okay, we're supposed to root for Brian and Melissa. But Melissa also just, like, goes back to her mean boyfriend. Like, she's very much that mid-2000... Melissa is a trophy. Not a person. And this is kind of following the format of Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah. Because, like, everyone's pretty terrible in Not Another Teen Movie as well. I mean, Janie Briggs is kind of your center. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is playing the stereotype one-dimensional character of Pretty Girl Who's Secretly Beautiful, who's also an artist. Like, I I guess since that trope, uh, Jamie's also not as ridiculously mistreated. Um, by the plot. Uh, yeah, I, I I guess she doesn't get as many licks. She still gets like pretty beat up. Like she falls down the steps and gets like. That's also a different trope. That's the like the, the clumsy, the clumsy yeah. like. That the lead character is clumsy. And, like, she always kind of comes out like, I'm fine. Mm. So, like, that kind of thing. I just feel like this show was more mean-spirited than the movie. Huh. I I think... That, like, none of the characters... Like, you said we have no one to cheer for. Which I get. And I think it's because everyone's just that one-dimensional cutout that they're supposed to play. And that's kind of what they all are in the movie, too. They're all that cut-out, one-dimensional thing. But after two hours of the movie, you're done with the movie. I agree. I think part of it is that they're... We're they're, done with them faster. Yeah. And I love the movie, and I think it's it's great. And I think I had my fill, and I didn't leave the theater going, I wish there was a sequel. Yeah. This is asking me to come back every week for more of this. Yeah, and there's just not enough there. Like, and it is, it is wall-to-wall jokes. And, like, that's not something that really exists anymore. No. Is something that is just jokes start to finish. Like, like your airplanes or, I I can't think of too many other examples where it's just, like, jokes are more important than plot or character or or anything else like that. And I, I... appreciate a show like that Mm -hmm. but when you cram something so full of jokes the ones that are not great are going to stick out yeah and you can't like take them out because you need wall-to-wall jokes so like not all of them are winners no and this feels like and i almost think the show if it had been formatted like this might have worked better almost like a teen show themed sketch show Yeah. Like, if we had followed around a bunch of characters, and we didn't have to try to build a plot around them. Um, stay with me here. Riverdale kind of almost tries to do this sometimes, where I feel like Riverdale is set piece, set piece, set piece, without the connective tissue of a show. Okay. And that's, I think, what this show kind of could have been. 
of like it's the you know it's the dance it's the party it's great like every week do the whole week yeah like i feel like that's what the show would have end up being like thinking about the show like knowing that there would be an episode that was like this is the drugs episode yeah you know th- this is the and like they would hit every holiday yeah Cause, like cuz we were joking about how there's only like five holiday christmas stories yeah whereas like it's the one where the power goes out and there's no christmas there's the one where they're snowed in there's the one where they're missing the toy and there's the gift of the magic I, like the, those are the 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 christmas episodes of a the one where the power goes out yeah there's usually one where it's like that's kind of the snowed-in one, where, like, something happens... There's the gift of the Magi plot. Yes. There's the someone has lost the meaning of Christmas plot. Yes. There is the Santa is in danger plot. Okay. And there's the someone's not gonna make it home for Christmas plot. I, I always feel like there's also one where it's, like, they have these big plans and then they do a bottle episode. Yeah. And then it's the Snowden plot. Yeah, and it's like, ah, oh, but Christmas is still great. Yeah, I always feel like there's the bottle episode, the one where someone can't make it. Mm-hmm. Santa, someone's lost the spirit of Christmas, gift of the Magi. Yeah. Had this show continued, they would have done all five. They would have done all of them in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, it would have been hilarious to see, like. Oh, we- and horror Christmas. Yeah. But, but it'd be funny to see, like, Ah, we're snowed in. We can't leave this room. Plus, I have to go to the store and get a toy. Like, seeing them all at once would have been very funny. Yeah. Uh, But, like, it's not a show. No. (laughs) It it is commentary on shows. What is the verdict? For me, I want to give it a stay tuned. Okay. I, I think, like... There would be something in every episode that I was like, that's really, really funny. And that would be enough for me to come back. I don't think, like, there'd be anything particularly memorable. Like, those shows I named that I put in the same category of this, like Your Son of the Beach and Your Undressed, Mm -hmm. nobody talks about them anymore. No. (laughs) Like, no one's ever like, you know who my favorite character was on MTV's Undressed? No, nobody does. I think for what it was, it's something I would enjoy, but I am completely comfortable saying that everything I liked about this show was done a hundred times better by Clone High. I was literally about to say (laughs) this show was better when it was Clone High. Yeah, like, you put it next to Clone High, Clone High every day. And Clone High manages to give you pathos for the characters. Yeah. So, Clone High executes the satire of almost the exact same time period. Clone High is 03. Mm-hmm. This is 07. Right. Clone High hits the same notes in a way that feels more authentic, that you kind of feel for the characters, and it still makes fun of everything. Like, the very special episode of Clone High is hilarious. Mm-hmm. With, uh... Oh my gosh. Uh, Every episode is a very special episode yeah, of Clone High. Uh, I was thinking of the one with Luke Perry. Uh, oh, uh, Litter Kills Literally. Yes. Uh, but that, like, is silly, but also they managed to find some feeling in it. Mm-hmm. And this show didn't find feeling in anything, and I think that was the problem. Yeah. I, I will say that... So uh, stay doomed from me. Th- this show never 
offended another country into having a horror strike, a hunger strike. But it also didn't air. I bet if you gave it a few more episodes, it'd get there. Yeah, I I can't imagine uh, women liking this show a whole lot. Like this is a show aimed at. I'm. You know what it is? I think that's the problem with this show to me is that I can't figure out who the audience is supposed to be, because a lot of the jokes were very like. I explained them to you because I watched like. I picked up things about the OC and Dawson's Creek. You didn't watch them, but this humor is very male-oriented. Yeah, that's very true. Satirizing shows that usually girls watched. The teen movie worked because teen movies are a little more unisex. Like, The Breakfast Club isn't a girl movie. Yeah, I think also a big thing that worked in Not Another Teen Movie is most of the things they parodied were in the trailer for the film. Like, there's a parody of uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, which I never saw. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I saw the the parody of it, I was like, oh, that's what this is. Yeah, almost everything that was parodied, you could pick up through cultural osmosis. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. And, like, I hate to say it, with a movie, you could at least rely on a male audience to have maybe seen some of the romantic comedies on dates. You know what I mean? Right. Like, a teenage guy is more likely to have seen She's All That. At that time period, because he went with a girl, than to know things about the OC, which he doesn't have to watch, because he's not on a date every Wednesday night. Yeah, very true. Uh, understandable that it's a stay doomed for you. Yeah. And it should be a stay doomed for most people. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that's it. Yeah, so that's it for that episode. Sorry this is not Michael or Michael have issues, or the Dana Carvey show like we said it was going to be. Okay, for that first one, you can go ahead and blame Comcast. Yeah, we are unable to see the rest of that series. We started watching it, we had stuff written down to say about it, but it's not happening. But apparently the streaming service for Comedy Central does not get along with Comcast. Yeah, and just didn't want to give me the rest of the episodes. Uh, Dana Carvey show will be next week. We have finished watching it. We just have a lot to say about it. And I think it's going to be a bigger episode. So yeah. we want to make sure that we had enough time to like really give that episode the, the time it needs. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, we're watching the Dana Carvey show next. Uh, if somebody wants to talk to us about the Dana Carvey show and maybe have something read here on the show, how would they reach us? Uh, you can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. Do we have anything live that we want to talk about? Uh, we don't have anything currently lined up. This is the off season for conventions. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have any appearances that we're really building up to right now because it is January. So book us. Sure. We'll do this at your convention or whatever your party you're holding. <laughs> Um, so we're, uh, we've got one more show after Dana Carvey and then we're going to be in Razzie's month, y'all. So get ready for Razzie's month. If you want to talk to me about the blonde guy from Not Another Teen Movie, who I love, whose name I've already forgotten. Eric Christian Olsen. If you're Eric Christian Olsen, I'm at TV's Noah. If you have strong opinions about misogyny in mid-2000s teen culture, I'm at Priorities and I got a lot to say about it. Until next time, stay doomed.